Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. I'm really excited about where we're going with this series of messages. I'm really excited about where we're going um, as a church. How many of you read the last announcement in the bulletin today already? Only a few of you did, okay. If you didn't read it, now everybody's reaching for their bulletin, that's great. You can take notes on the back of it and write down what we talk about in the message or what I'm about to share with you right now. So it's really exciting times. Um, God's been up to something for sure, there's no doubt about that. Several years ago, when, uh, when Pastor Alfredo and Kenny um, came and joined with us, we had uh, a Spanish ministry that, that consisted of zero. Um, and over the course of the, the next months and years, um, they built it to what it is. And then last week, uh, and it's a beautiful work that they've done. Last week you heard from Pastor Hoel and, Co- and Corey. We've introduced them to you and their beautiful church family of, of more than 50 that have joined in with us and merged in and their kids are loving what's going on in kids and youth. And we're excited about all of that. Our Harvest Spanish ministry is an exciting part of our church family. And we're excited um, uh, about what's upcoming. We couldn't be happier with what's next. And so... Beginning Sunday, January the 7th, 2018, we're going to be launching a service in Spanish. Amen? Now, I know there's there's a lot of questions of how is that going to work. I'm so glad you asked. Let me help you with knowing how that's going to work, all right? All, All of the discussions about how this is going to work have centered around youth and children's ministry. Uh, so that everything works together and still functions in a normal timeline for the kids, okay? So everything that's happening around that, uh, all all of what we're about to talk about centers around that. So what it's going to mean for us is that our normal service Sunday structure is going to shift just a little bit. It's going to be just a little bit of transition, all right? So beginning on Sunday, September the 7th, 2018, it'll look like this. We'll have our ESL class at 8.15. It's our English as a second language. That'll start at 8.15. And then at 9 a.m. from 9 to 10.15, we'll have service in Spanish. I cannot believe I didn't get a V in there. It's not a Saris, it's a service, okay? Um, Typos still happen, all right? So that's from 9 until 10.15. And then also at 9 o'clock is the kids' Sunday school. That's the same time it's always been. It'll still function at the same time, okay? Uh, The English adult Sunday school class will begin at 9.15. That's Nina's class. Okay, so it's still during the typical time, but it'll be bumped back just a little bit to 9.15 and choir will begin at 9.15, okay? So that's, that's how that's going to work at the 9 o'clock hour. So that Spanish service goes from 9 to 10.15. Then there's a 15-minute passing period, okay? Remember that from school, right? It's a passing period, all right? So we've got a passing period from uh, 10.15 to 10.30. At 10.30, um, we'll begin the service in English in here, okay? So uh, our normal 10 o'clock service is going to bump back to 10.30, Some of you are thrilled because that means you get 30 more minutes of sleep, okay? Some of you are going, wait a minute, are we still going to beat the Baptist to lunch? (laughs) Yes, okay? Because the preacher's going to say ouch just a little bit and and abbreviate that sermon just a little bit so that we're shooting to be done at about 11.45, okay? So we're going to start 30 minutes later, but we're going to get done about 15 minutes shorter in service time. Only 15 minutes later, we're pushing back. Um, Spanish Sunday school will be at 10.30. Um, kids church is going to be at 1030. So the, again, the kids ministry all functions together, still the same. All right. So we're excited about what this looks like for the future. Now, the next question that we often get 
is uh, why in the world are we doing this? Again, it doesn't start until the first Sunday in January. I want everybody to say Sunday, January 7th. When does this transition begin? January the 7th. Why in the world are we doing this? Well, let me make it as simple as I possibly can because I'm gonna answer that question with another question. How many of you believe that the Lord's return is imminent? It's soon to happen. How many of you believe it's coming? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, we can talk about this later because it is. Okay, there's plenty of prophecy teaching that's out there. We've talked about it. We believe that the Lord Jesus could return at any moment, amen? We may not ever make it to the opportunity to have this. If that happens, don't worry. Um, Josh will be here. He's not here today because he went to the football game yesterday. But he'll be here to make sure service still goes at the same time. See, he's going to learn you should be in service, all right? So, we believe that the return of the Lord Jesus is very near. Why in the world wouldn't we? If we have a chance to reach more people, regardless of language, the answer is absolutely yes, we should do it. That's the reason we're doing this. We'll do anything short of sin to get people who are far from God to come into a loving relationship with him, amen? Whatever it takes to get people to know him. So that's what we're doing. And regardless of language, you know, if, if we had a, a group of people that spoke Mandarin Chinese and they wanted to have a service and become a part of our church family, guess what? We would do it. Do we offer a, a service for our youth ministry on Wednesday nights at seven? You bet. It's so that they can hear it in their language in a context that, that makes it easiest for them to, to understand. We do that. We offer a children's ministry. It's important that we do that. There are gonna be plenty of times that we're gonna come together all as one big, big happy church family in one service and we're gonna celebrate what God is doing. But in the meantime, we're gonna offer this as another means to reach more people for Jesus. That's what it's about. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. So the whole thing, it's about impacting our Jerusalem. What does the Bible say in, in Acts chapter one, verse eight? But then you will receive power from on high to be my witnesses in where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is a way to help us reach our Jerusalem. We reach the ends of the earth. You heard about what we're doing, our church family's doing in Madagascar last week and how people were saved after they built that one tabernacle, right? Built one and had service that, that next week because there was a church family that was meeting there. And guess what? People got saved because of that. Same way, you and I, in this moment, in this time, we have a chance to do something that will help us to reach our Jerusalem, our community, our neighbors right here around us, and we're gonna go for it. I also believe that today's message is gonna help us get into that. Now, on the back of your bulletin, it probably says that today's sermon title is Follow the Star. Well, I'm gonna retitle it. As the comedian said, here's your sign. Here's your sign. I believe today's message is gonna speak to this as well, what we're talking about. Because it's a step of faith. It's a step of faith to say, hey, you know what? We're gonna start a Spanish service. We're gonna, we're gonna take what we're doing and we're gonna make some modifications and adjustments to it and we're gonna, we're gonna go for it. It's a step of faith. And we read about these steps of faith in the Bible all the time, don't we? The Bible's full of people who said, I'm gonna trust that this is what God wants me to do. I'm gonna take a step of faith. And a step of faith is not easy. If you ever watched Indiana Jones and the Search for the Holy Grail, you know, there's a point in time where, where Indy, Indiana Jones, has to take a step of faith out onto a land bridge that he can't see. But it's not, it doesn't become visible until he actually sets foot on it, until you actually go for it. In the same way, we have to take a step of faith. All of us have to take a step of faith. 
As we follow the star, the sign that's in, in, in the heavens that says, God's saying, this is what I want you to do, it takes a step of faith in how we're going to get there. It's not something uncommon for mankind to need a, a, a sign from God to step out and to do what he's put in our hearts. That's a commonplace thing. We, we like a confirming word, don't we? Isaiah 30, 21 says that whether you go to the right or to the left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. It doesn't say, you'll hear a voice saying, that's the way to go. It says, whether you're going to the right or the left, God will confirm, go that way. Go that way. It's a step of faith. You have to know what scripture teaches and say, okay, we're going to go that way and God will confirm. Yes, go for it. Well, the whole Christmas story is, is one step of faith after another one. It's one step of faith followed by another step of faith and one step of faith followed by another step of faith by multiple characters. And today we're gonna look at that. We're gonna look at a few of the steps of faith and how God always gave a sign that accompanied them. The first one that we're gonna look at, the first point today is it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Now, some of you are going, that's a double negative preacher. You're exactly right. It's a double negative. Not impossible is a double negative. Basically what it says is it's possible. It's a play on words, and I get that. We're talking about Mary. You know, imagine if it were your life, an angel comes into your room and announces to you as a teenage young lady, guess what? Even though, even though there's no way this can happen, you're gonna have a baby. You're still a virgin, but you're gonna have a baby. I think everyone would freak out just a little bit, right? I think everybody would go, uh-uh, not me, that's impossible. We all know how biology works. It doesn't work that way, Angel, you must be crazy. And he says, no, 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 it's gonna happen, I promise. You know, in Mary's situation, she wants to believe because she's a good little religious uh, Jewish girl. She wants to believe. But at the same time, she knows that if she believes and it comes true, Boy, howdy that they are going to have a time with her. She knows the ridicule that's going to come with it. She knows what they're going to say about her and her family and how in the world you're going to say, God did this to you and now all of a sudden you're pregnant. Are you crazy? God didn't do this to you. We know exactly how this works because we understand biology too. And so here she is and she's going, ah, God, I want to trust you. I really, really want to trust you, but I'm just not sure. I want to trust God, but, but the plan isn't gonna produce the, the overwhelming, beautiful experience that's filled with childbirth. It's not gonna produce uh, the joy and the happiness, but rather pain and despair and cruelty as others make fun of her as she's in this situation. Every step of faith is gonna put us in a place for others to say, you are crazy. But it's also gonna put us in a place that when they look back on it, they're gonna go, there's no way that was anything other than God. We've got to take the step of faith and trust him. So in Luke's telling of this story, the angel doesn't leave Mary without any hope of what, what's coming, without any hope that this is true. He gives her a sign. If you look at Luke chapter one, verses 36 and 37, it says, what's more, the angel says, what's more, he's giving her a sign, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. I'm glad that the word of God will never fail. I'm glad that the word of God will never fail. 
Other translations say, but with God, all things are possible. I'm glad that the word of God will never fail. You know, I could say that same sentence 17 times and put 17 different emphasis on different areas. But at the end of the day, guess what? It still says God's word will never fail. I don't, doesn't matter to me what you're facing. doesn't matter what I'm going through. At the end of the day, God's word's never going to fail. And if we don't see the promise the way we thought we would see it, maybe it's because we don't see what's coming on the other side of it. We don't see the perspective the way God does. We've got to learn to lean in and trust him. So here the angel says, guess what? I'm going to tell you something nobody else knows. The, the scriptures go on to say that Mary hurried to the hill country. She hurried and left and said, okay, this angel told me something crazy. I have no idea of whether or not it's going to be true. But one thing I do know, he said that my old auntie is going to be pregnant. And right now she's pregnant with a baby. I've got to go see if this is true. Because if that's true, then this will be true. So she hurries to the hill country only to find out for herself that the sign the angel told her was coming had been proven true. She gets there and sure enough, just by entering the house, John the Baptist, who was in Elizabeth's tummy, in her womb, starts doing somersaults and the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary knew that it was true because the sign that the, the angel promised her had proven true. The, the, the baby that was growing inside of her tummy was to be the son of God. So she stepped out in faith. She took that step. She said, you know what? I'm going to follow the plan of God, even though, even though, look at your neighbor and say, even though, even though the pain of an unplanned childbirth was going to be real, even though the feelings of human humiliation that she was gonna feel hurled at her were gonna be real. Have you ever done something and all of a sudden God's, you're going through it and you're like, man, this is hurtful, this is painful, but you know it's what God wants you to do? Even though it's never the easiest of things to step out in faith and say, I'm gonna trust God, but you know what? Even though it's possible, Nothing is impossible with God. Even though Joseph was willing to, uh, was always going to have to deal with the questions of is Jesus really his son or not? Even though, even though she stepped out in faith because God gave her a sign. God gave her a sign and said, this is going to be the sign so you'll know what I'm telling you is true. But she never saw the sign until she stepped out in faith and believed in her heart. Because what's impossible with men is possible with God because his word never fails. It never fails. When we step out in faith, what may seem ridiculous, what may seem amazing, what may seem uh, just utterly impossible, with God all things are possible, amen? With God all things are possible. So Mary, she got her sign. God's word is, is, is never gonna fail. The second character in our story of the, the Christmas story is the shepherds, and they got their sign. Their sign is that it's nothing to fear when you step out in faith. That step of faith doesn't produce fear. It produces the hope of what God is going to do. It produces a, a resurgence in what we believe to be true. So here with the shepherds, you have men who are used to uh, uh, dealing with the, the, the craziness of living out in the wilderness. Amen? Now, let's be honest. We've all been there. You move into a new, new space to live in, 
and all of a sudden you hear every little creak in the house. Amen? Doesn't matter. Every house I've ever moved to, every, every new door, uh, new home or, or a new college place that we were living, whatever, every time you move, what do you hear? Every creak, every bump in the night, right? And if it's an unfamiliar area of town, you're like, oh no, I wonder what's going on outside right now. And then you hear the sirens as the, the police cars go down the street, right? And then you wonder, has somebody called in because some boogeyman's trying to break into my house? Let's be honest. Don't act like this isn't you. And then what happens? Your fear gets a little bit heightened. The paranoia starts to kick in. And now every single shadow is moving. It's a boogeyman coming to get you. The next thing you know, you've turned on every light in the house. Because ain't no boogeyman going to get me. So here we've got these shepherds that are used to dealing with that. Here they're, they're sitting around the campfire. They have already mapped out, because this, this is terrain that they know, they've mapped out every single bush. They know which ones are moving and which ones are not. They know which ones are just uh, swaying with the wind and which ones are their compadres coming up after them to let them know that something else has gone on in town or, or to relieve them of their night watch. They know exactly what every detail is all of a sudden, in the middle of that dark night sky with their fire going, there's a burst of light that breaks out on the scene. In the midst of that, what happens is the angels announce uh, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to, good, uh, to men. And they announce the birth of Jesus and they tell them, guess what? Go to town. The Christ child, the Messiah has been born. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And they send them on into town. And, and here the angels have to take their step of faith. Because when, they, when, the, when the angels step out, guess what? They get scared. It says that they were terrified. And they have to, in that moment, step back and go, wait, wait, wait. And the angel says, don't be afraid. We bring you good tidings of good cheer. Be happy. God's going to do something good through this. Give it a chance. Hear this bright light burst on the, on the nighttime sky. And let's be honest. If that were me and you, we'd be a more, more than just a little bit freaked out, right? I'd be terrified, I would hope that I had packed an extra set of pants. We would be more than just a little afraid. We'd be petrified, unable to move, because in the midst of what we know, God has stepped out. That's what God does to us. He reaches out into the middle of our normal routine and says, I have something different for you, and I want you to take a step of faith. He says, you know what? I want you to take this moment. I want you to take this opportunity and trust me and, and realize that it's nothing to fear. It's nothing to be afraid of. Take the step of faith. When God asks us to do that, we've got to step out. We've got to go for it. So when the angels left, they get up here, the, the, the shepherds get up and they do what they were told to do. And they went to see this infant born in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And there he's lying in the manger. They stepped out in faith. They took their flock and they went into town at night. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's no big deal. It's like loading your family up and you head into town, right? Not so fast. For, for shepherds, they have to be able to see every one of those sheep. They have to know where they're at. They have to know if there's danger. So here they are. They're loading up their flock, and they're saying, we're going to go down this way in the middle of the night at a time that we can't see anything. Yeah, we may have a torch, but that's not going to help us if there's a wolf or there's a coyote right off in the distance who's going to snatch one of them. And they take their, their, their chances, and they say, we're going to go and follow and do. Sometimes when we step out in faith, we're not going to see every obstacle that's coming our way. 
You're not going to see every possible detour. You're not going to see everything that could take your life. You're not going to see everything that could be a, a hole, a pitfall to fall in. But we've got to step out in faith and follow the word of the Lord. And on the other side of it, there's going to be a confirming word. You're going to see the sign that God has called you to go for. Take the step of faith just like they did. Yeah, they left the warmth of the campfire. Yes, they left the warmth of what they knew. They left the safety of being able to see everything, but they stepped out in faith. And when they got there, the sign was there just as promised. Chapter two, verses 15 through 18 says that when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. There was the sign. That's the sign they were promised. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. You know, I've never ever heard the story of someone taking a step of faith that on the other side of it, when you hear the whole story, there's not some astonishment that happens. Have you ever heard somebody say, hey, you know what? This is what God asked me to do. And you went, you are absolutely nuts. Anybody? I'm the only one. Maybe we need to get some new friends that have faith. Because if we're living comfortably, we're missing out on something. Christianity is supposed to be the most exciting journey that there is. And it only happens when we live by faith, not by comfort. It's easy to sit back and say, oh, I'm going to stay right here. And You know who my biggest heroes are? Missionaries. And they, they leave the comforts of our American uh, comfort system and they take their families and they go to Africa or they go to uh, the worst parts of Mexico and they're doing everything they can around the world to win people to Jesus. Some of my, my favorite missionary friends, I can't say their name or where they're at because it's sensitive, um, but they're, they're ministering in the Muslim world. The organization they're a part of is called Live Dead. Guess what the, the realistic consequences of their life of faith could be? that they don't ever get to come home or they get shipped home in a box and they have a two-year-old little girl. It's terrifying to me. And I look at them and I say, you're crazy. But man, they've won some people to Jesus in parts of the world that you can't even mention his name because they took a step of faith. I've known people that have taken steps of faith in their business. And on the other side of it, God said, hey, listen, if you'll do this, guess what's going to happen? And they see the promise. They see the sign that they were promised on the other side of it because they took a chance. We all have to take the step of faith that there's going to be, uh, when we take that step of faith, there's going to be fear involved. But it doesn't have to be petrifying. It doesn't have to lock you up. As you are following the star, guess what? God's going to give you the sign. And fear is not going to be part of it. So Mary found out that with God, everything is possible because his word always comes true. The shepherds, their step of faith was over their fear. And thirdly, the wise men, well, they found out that it wasn't too hard. It's not too hard. You take a step of faith, it is not too hard. Notice I didn't say that stepping, stepping out of faith was not hard. I just said it's not too hard. It's, it's not easy or everybody would do it, Amen. And if living the life of faith was easy, everybody would be after it, amen? It's not exactly the easiest thing in the world. You've got to take that step of faith. It's not too hard. You know, when we talk about the wise men, the Bible never says where they're from. The Bible just says from the east. From the east. Now, 
there's competing thoughts on where they actually came from. I know people that say, well, they're from Iraq or from uh, Iran or somewhere that way, east on the map as we see it. But then the Bible also says that they traveled towards the east to follow the star. So how can you be east and still travel east to follow the star? It doesn't necessarily jive. At least from my perspective reading it. Listen, I've never promised to be the smartest person in the world. I promised to read people who are the smartest in the world and give you back what I found. Here's the thing. I believe that they probably were from modern-day Turkey. And they would have traveled to the southeast. The other thing is, in the language that the Bible was, was written in the New Testament in the Greek, the land of Turkey at the time, it's before the Turks, it's before the Ottomans, before any of that. And what happened is at that time, Literally, everything east of the Greece, east of Greece was just referred to as the east. And so that's most likely where they came from. So as, as the Bible talks about they travel to the east, they travel southeast and the star that rises in the eastern sky, they're making their way, and they would have had to travel at the closest, if they're at the closest distance in modern-day Turkey, it's about 600 miles to make that, that journey. 600 miles. Now, the thing about these types of journeys is they're never done alone. It would not have been just the three wise men. It would have been a caravan because they're carrying very valuable uh, merchandise with them. And the Bible talks about that they brought gold and, and silver and uh, gold and myrrh and frankincense, right? Three very valuable items that they're bringing with them. So here they are. They're traveling to the east uh, uh, about 600 miles what we understand about, about animals now is a camel could travel 25 to 30 miles a day. 25 to 30 miles a day. Let me put it in perspective. That's from right here to my house and back. That's it. What takes us 25 minutes to do would have taken them an entire day. From right here to God's, God's university, the University of Norman, University of Oklahoma in Norman, from right here to there, 25 miles, okay? It's a lot farther to that other school up north. Here's the thing. It's a long ways is what I wanted to say. So, so 25 to 30 miles a day. Then you put it in a caravan. I mean, think about any time you go anywhere in a caravan. It slows everything down, right? We, we, we would go to Dallas, and we would take a trip, and there would be three cars. And, man, you wouldn't get 20 miles down the road until somebody needed to go to the restroom, Okay, and you get on the road, hey, everybody out, everybody go to the restroom if you got to go. Okay, then what happens? 30 miles down the road, somebody who didn't need to go at the last stop, all of a sudden they got to stop. Okay, we're going to pull over. 25 or 30 miles down the road, what happens again? Another potty break. So just imagine all these guys are on camels and they're walking. Listen, 25 miles a day would mean at the very fastest, these wise men would have traveled for 24 days to get there. For 24 days straight. Now, traveling, friends, is not for the faint of heart. Have you ever done a road trip for a couple of days? Man, that's miserable, isn't it? When I was a kid, my parents made it their goal that we were going to drive all over the United States. I saw most of the east and the southeast and, and out to the west towards Arizona. I saw all of that from the back, most of the time, of an Oldsmobile Cutlass sitting there in the back seat with my brother in the other seat and one of us saying, Mom, he's looking at me. There wasn't no hand on the iPad, watch a movie and be quiet. We, we were so thankful when the Walkman came out, right? You remember? 
Not the Discman, no CDs, uh uh-uh, the Walkman. You had a tape. If you wanted to listen to your favorite song over and over again, it was fast forward and rewind and play and stop. Nope, too far back. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It was not easy. Some of you young people and the teenagers in the room, you're looking at me like I'm absolutely crazy. You know what? It was crazy. There was no, here, let me get my iPod out and just boop, 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 boop. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that song. Oh, I don't own that CD. I'll just download it on Spotify. There was none of that. Uh Uh-uh. It was work to listen to your favorite. And then if you wanted to make a mixtape, oh my, that was even worse, right? Because you had to have dual decks and go back and forth. It was crazy. Road trips were not easy. And we learned all these crazy games, right? Like, let's count the semis. I spy. Come on, how many remember? Come on, let's, let's. I, I spy with my little eye. Man, now when my kids say that, I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, is this another road trip? Like, I have a Pavlovian response, you know? You start twitching. It's like, ah, what's going on? That's the thing. Road trips are not easy. Then my parents, as, as we got a little older, my parents wised up. If, we'll, if I'll drive all night, they'll sleep. And they didn't have to put up with, mom, he's looking at me. Road trips are not for the faint of heart. Road trips are not easy, and yet these wise men, they said, you know what? It's going to be a hard journey, but it's not going to be too hard because we're following the star. We're following the sign in the heavens. We're following it, and when we get to the other side, when we arrive there, guess what we're going to find out? That the baby Jesus, that the Lord, the newborn king is going to be there. So they make their way. They head out, and as they, in the natural route, it would have taken them through Jerusalem. You know what's hard? To go up to the presiding king and say, hey, listen, we're here to worship the king. Not you. This one's a newborn baby. And no, it's not your child. And for that king to look at you and go, oh, yeah, really? Why don't you come back and tell me where he's at so I, too, may worship him? Knowing all along that in the back of his mind, he's not going to worship, he's going to slay him. And these wise men, they get there, they, they, they make the journey, they stop off in Jerusalem, and they finally arrive in Bethlehem, they present their gifts They worship, and eventually they're ready to head back home after having followed the star and found their sign that the newborn babe was there. But now they can't go back and tell the, the, the existing king, you know what, we found him. Because they've been warned in a dream, don't go back and do that. So that now they have to find a new way home. Imagine how hard that is. I'm doing good to follow instructions the first time. Anybody else? I'm doing good for GPS to tell me, follow this way. It can have the map up and it can have the voice telling me, make a right turn here. Because mine's in, in, in Australian accent because that's all I can handle, right? Right turn here. And I still take the wrong turn. Because I'm guessing, is it this one or is it that one? Is it this one or is it that one? So you make the turn. I'm doing good to follow the directions the first time. These guys in uncharted territory, now they have a familiarity of the signs along the way. Now they've got to find a new way home. At least it was familiar territory when they started. Now as they head home, guess what? They got to start a whole new way. They knew it was a hard task. They knew it was a hard process, but it's not too hard. 
Why belabor the point of these guys making a hard journey? Why belabor the point of how difficult that would have been? Because friends, when we step out in faith, we may not understand where the resources are gonna come from to make the 24-day journey. We may not understand if the camels are gonna be able to make it. But you know what? When we step out in faith and we take that next step, God can provide. When we take that next step and we say, God, I'm gonna follow you, God's provision will be more than enough. But we've gotta take the first step. It's not too hard, but we've got to take the step. Yes, faith makes the impossible possible. It does, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy because it's not. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy, but it is going to be possible, and it's going to be worthwhile in the end. It's always going to be worth it. Faith means that when it's all over, God gets the glory and not us. God gets the glory. You know what? When we take a step of faith, all it does is say, I can't do this, but I believe God will. When we take a step of faith, we're saying, God, I trust you that you're on the other side of this. I'll tell you a story that I may have told before. You may have heard it. If you have, please bear with me. In the Republic of Georgia, over in a country that's near Russia, in the Republic of Georgia, under communist rule, there were two fishermen who would go down to the sea and fish. Every day, they would put the fish they caught into ice chests full of water and carry them back to their village and sell them as a means of income. So they'd walk. The the, the journey was about an hour every day, each way. On the hour-long walk home back to the village, one of the fishermen's fish always died. Every time. On that walk home, they died in that hour-long journey in that ice chest every time. The other one, their fish, his fish always survived. They were always alive and moving and and, and just, I mean, like they just came out of the water. Well, after weeks of fish, of his fish dying, one fisherman finally looked at his friend and said, how do you keep your fish alive? His friend looked at him and said, well, I caught a small shark and I keep it in the ice chest. It's too small to do the fish any harm, but they don't know that. They just know it's a predator. It keeps them moving because they don't want to be attacked, and as long as they're moving, they stay alive. The shark in the, in the church at that time was persecution. Persecution can't really do us any harm, but it'll keep us moving and relying on God. Therefore, it keeps us relying and alive on his power. Friends, as we take a step of faith, you know what fear becomes? It becomes the shark in our tank. Can't do you any harm. Fear can't kill you unless you allow it to paralyze you. So as we take that step of faith, we need to allow that little shark that's there not to cause us to be uh, uh, completely caught up and, and consumed with fear. We need to allow it to keep us moving and relying on God's power, amen? I don't know about you, but if we're going to take a step of faith, let's take a step of faith. And if we're going to go for it, let's not let fear drive us into failure. Instead, let's allow it to say, you know what? As I step out in faith, I'm going to trust that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. I'm going to trust him in it. I'm not going to be caught up and consumed and held down by by my inability. Instead, I'm going to trust his overwhelming ability. I'm not, not going to sit back on my, on my laurels and say, I can't do this anymore. Enough's enough. 
When I get to that point, I'm going to do what David did and I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. God, you said go this way. I'm trusting you and your ability in my life. Let's take a step of faith. When we follow the star, that small shark in the tank keeps us dependent on God. Now, in all of our lives, that shark is something different. In all of our lives, as we follow the sign that God puts in our heavens, what we're going to find is that we need to rely on his power, on his ability. Now, I don't know what the step of faith looks like for each of you. I know what God's asking of me. I know what God's asking of my family. As we follow the stars, we're doing what God's asking us to do. I'm just trying to follow what God asked. I'm trying to do what he's asking of me. I don't know what that looks like for you. What's the step of faith you need to take? Is it a business step? Is it a relational step? What's the step of faith you need to reach out with? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Travis, my step of faith right now is to trust Jesus to be my Savior. I need to trust him to be my Savior. And maybe you're here and you're separated by sin from God. If that's you, would you slip up a hand? Today you want to come home? Okay. Who else? Anybody else? All right, I see that hand. Who else? Anybody else? You know, in a few moments, we're going to have prayer for you. We're going to have an opportunity that you can come and and be prayed for as you take that step of faith. And you know what? If you're raising your hand right now, I just want to encourage you. That small step of faith we're going to ask you to take in a moment is not one that we've not all already taken. So don't allow fear to keep you from taking that step to come forward and be celebrated that you're responding to Jesus. But number two, that you're responding to what God wants for you for the rest of your life. Secondly, this morning, and this is where the rubber meets the road for each of us. Listen, we all have a star to follow. We all have a step of faith to take. I don't know what your step of faith is. I don't know what God's asking you to do. I don't know what God's saying, hey, this is for you. Here's your sign. But I do know that he's asking each of us to take a step. That's what this journey with him is all about. Taking a step. What's the next step? How many of you here this morning with just by uplifted hand would say, you know what, Pastor? God's asking me to take a step of faith and I need to trust him. Anybody? All right. All right. Who else? Okay. Who else? All right. Here's what I want to ask you to do all over the room. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand to your feet. As you're standing to your feet, I'd like for our elders and prayer team to make their way down. Make your way down around these altars. Because here's where the rubber meets the road. Now that we've, we've identified what it is God's asking, we've identified this is what God's doing, now we have to take the step of faith. It's easy to sit back and go, oh yeah, there's the star. I see the star. It's one thing to see it and point at it and go, yeah, that's it. It's an entire another thing to step out in faith and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow him. Today's the day. So if you raised your hand and said, you know what, I need to respond for salvation. Or if you raised your hand and said, God is asking me to take a step of faith. We want to agree with you in prayer. So if you raised your hand, I want you to begin now to make your way out of your seat. This church family is going to applaud you. They're going to clap and cheer for you as you come. 
because it's an exciting moment. So if you raised your hand, go ahead and begin to make your way this way so we can agree with you in prayer, amen? Come on, y'all, go ahead.